just who is your favorite pro wrestling commentator? 2021 sure brought us a whole bunch of newbies. Paul White on Dark Elevation, Adnan Burke on Raw, Jimmy Smith on Raw, Pat McAfee on SmackDown, and AEW announced that Mark Henry will be an analyst on their new show, Rampage. I'm Ryan Joy, and I run MinutesToBellTime.com, a website and database tracking pro wrestling from around the world. On today's show, we're talking about our favorite commentators from around the world. Travis Severance is in the house, and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for June 1st, 2021, where we sort through all the bullshit in pro wrestling news to bring you the truth. And here we are, Travis, sorting through all the BS. No more BS. Powered by the Eastern Observer. So it's a fun topic today, and and it comes off of the heels of last night, Jimmy Smith making his debut on Monday Night Raw. He replaced Adnan Verk, who spent a swift seven weeks in the chair. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that's really happening in the commentary world. We've had so many shifts. AEW announced Mark Henry, as I brought up in the intro. And then AEW released their Spanish announcer, Willie Urbina, over the weekend for making... Uh, fun of Sheeta's accent. So there's just a lot of movement going on in the commentary space. So I thought it's a good time for us to look at the whole picture and talk about who we think is the best and some of our favorites and go from there. So Travis, I'll kick it over to you. You're wearing a shirt that's got some commentators and there's not a whole lot of shirts for commentators. Yeah, it's. It, I try to have a shirt for every show. It's going to be topical. So today I've got my the four-man commentary team for New Japan And uh, that's not by accident. Kevin Kelly, Gino Gambino, Chris Carlton, Rocky Romero, I think right now currently is the strongest booth in professional wrestling without a doubt. Kevin Kelly has been the one-man booth a la Joey Styles during the pandemic era doing translation for the New Japan stuff. It's been a treat when they've had the team together through a sort of Zoom thing listening to Gino Gambino. Gosh, do I miss him? And Chris Carlton is great because he just reminds me of a, a modern day professor, Mike Tanay, and he's a historian at the same time. Like he knows new Japan inside and out and he can translate, which is such a value when the, the Japanese wrestlers are doing the promo promos and he's actually there in the background to translate what's being said. It has such a bigger impact. And Rocky Romero is just a consummate professional. The guy's all over the place. He's a wrestler himself. So he can obviously call the action and the, the, the commentary, their commentary team is more interactive with the wrestlers throughout matches and different things like that, than a lot of the other commentary teams that are just like move out of the way because your booth's going to get crushed. AEW does have some interaction that way, but Kevin Kelly doesn't mind standing up and calling out the bullet club right in the middle of a match saying, get away from me or get away from this booth or whatever. (laughs) And they levied some fines for some commentary stuff in their Japanese commentary team. Not that I know what they're saying, but man, do they sound good when I have to listen to just the Japanese side <laughs> yeah. of it. They got Jusin Liger in there. They got Hanma or whoever they have, Kojima in there. And it's just a nice, clean experience. I think for right now, for my money, Kevin Kelly's the best commentary in the industry. He's calling the right product. He knows he has the right information for it. He's a face commentator and he calls it straight down and he doesn't mind calling out nonsense and he can call holds and he can do color and stuff like that so i think he's probably the best voice of wrestling for me right now and it's interesting because kevin kelly is that guy that people remember from wwe in the 90s and he was not a top tier commentator in wwe he left there and he went to ring of honor for many years and he has really built a home for himself in new japan pro wrestling and it's you know no no question new japan is a niche for a niche audience and especially in in the United States, it's a niche audience. In Japan, it's the show to go see. But 
Kevin Kelly does a great job of painting the picture from like the beginning of history between him and Chris Charlton. They tell a story, even if the guys haven't had a match in six months or a year or two years or a decade, they can bring all that stuff together and put it in front of you and, you know, present you with the full picture of the competitors in the ring. So what's interesting about the two of them working together, and it's exactly what you're saying, they don't do replays or pre-show or any of that stuff in New Japan. So the build to the match is all done before while the wrestlers are coming down to the ring, and that's Kevin and Chris giving you whether, whether Chris is giving you the history of the match that happened four years ago at Corican hall yep. or Kevin's building up to it. And then they build into this nice crescendo. That's the finish. And then they talk about what's coming next. There's no watch this three minute clip of everything that happened the last six weeks for it. They don't do that in new Japan. It's just wrestling. So you have to have somebody be able to call that and talk you through it. And as somebody that hasn't watched the program, now it's a lot of characters to get to know. You can understand what's going on in the match from start to finish without having that stuff. It's not like the audience is more intelligent than the WWE audience. It's just their production. They don't put that together that way. So I guess the, the news is that Jimmy Smith being making his debut last night is an interesting presentation because I felt like he was slow rolled into the position. In other words, when Raw started, usually the guy in the middle is the guy who says, welcome to Monday Night Raw. It was Corey Graves who did that last night. Byron Saxton, I noticed, picked up a lot of transitions and introducing video packages and things like that. And Jimmy Smith was allowed to be there in an unoffensive manner. Whereas Adnan Verk, when he started, he's like, okay, here's the job. You do all this stuff, and you'll probably make a bunch of mistakes and whatever. And he paid for those mistakes. Jimmy Smith is getting a little bit of a break. I think they've learned something. They want him there because of his outside influence. He brings in... His audience includes UFC and Bellator and things like that. So they want him there. So they want him to be successful. So I think that giving them, giving him the opportunity to slow roll into the position is going to be helpful for him. Yeah, I would agree. They definitely went a little bit slower. And you're right. They did the outside in as far as the, the introduction goes. He did send off. He did mm-hmm. send us into Raw for the, for the episode, which is, again, that center spot kind of thing. My The biggest issue that I had with him throughout the night was it was difficult for me to hear his voice and differentiate it from Byron's voice. A lot of times the cadence and the, in the inflection in their voices were really similar to me. Byron is not my favorite commentator in the world. And Jimmy, there were times when he chimed in when I could pick it out. And there were other times when it was just, it just seemed like it was two of the same guys in the booth. And I'm not sure what sort of personality he's going to have yet. Again, we're only one night out, but comparing that to Pat McAfee's first night, who I really enjoyed the energy and the enthusiasm on that show and the personality and everything that he brought to that booth that's so opposite Michael Cole without burying Michael Cole, which we had grown accustomed to that sort of being yeah. the case. I don't know. It's really difficult for me to give Jimmy any kind of real grades other than, uh, like you were saying, I think it was a smart outing for him to have him in the background a little bit. And I think any booth with Corey Graves is going to be tough because he spends so much of the episode getting himself over the talent that you need a big personality to put him in check. Byron Saxton is not that guy, and I'm not sure if Jimmy Smith is either. Well, it's interesting, though, because you had a you have an initial reaction to Pat McAfee that's very good. I think most people did. The other thing is with Adnan Verk, we had an initial reaction of this is not going to work. Right. With Jimmy Smith, the reaction is not positive, and it's not really negative yet. It's better <laughs> than Adnan Verk. Right. 
I think everybody's critical and you're looking for somebody to fail rather than looking to succeed. And 100%. when they announced Pat McAfee based on the antics and the stuff that I saw him and how he was put into NXT, I wasn't thrilled about him going into a booth. Now that said, he's got a really successful show. So he's been in front of the camera and he's been in that position and he's had to entertain a crowd for a long time. So he's got enough personality and enough enthusiasm in there. And he knows enough about the product that he's talking about to be able to talk intelligently and not call it wrong or say, tell us about Kofi mania back in the day, like Adnan Verk called. And it was like, that was 18 months ago. Yeah. That's not yeah. really back in the day. We're not talking about before satellite TV or anything. So yeah, I thought they protected Jimmy pretty well and gave him an opportunity to not mess up too much. And now there's a whole bunch of news with Mark Henry joining AEW's I think commentary team, they announced him as an analyst. That's often the word you use for the color commentator. So I think that's the role he'll be in on Rampage. So we have over on AEW, we have Ross and Shivani and Excalibur and Paul White, Mark Henry and Taz all on the English speaking side of things. Some shows better than others in terms of the commentary, but what do you think overall? What do you, how do you think Mark will do? So uh, Mark's an interesting choice for me in that role. I've never heard him on the mic. No. I've never heard him do a promo that I was blown away by. It's obviously something that he has some passion towards. Again, like we talked about in our post uh, pay-per-view show the other night after, after AW went off air, there are people that I think they need to put in positions to make enough money, but they're also going to use them in other roles. And I think teaching big men how to wrestle big man wrestling is part of the Paul White, Mark Henry thing. But I think financially, Tony Khan can't sign those two guys to say, we're just going to have you as coaches and this is how much money you're going to make because they need to make enough. So how do you insert them into your production and stuff where you can make it look good? I'm interested to see what he has to say and what he has to bring to the table. I don't know his voice is anything spectacular or anything awful. It's not like we're throwing Mike Tyson in the booth and asking him to do commentary. Taz is hit or miss for me. Tony Schiavone is great. I think to me, Jim Ross is on the end of his career at this point, which is too bad because I think if I look at commentators in the history of commentary jim ross it's hard for me to at least in my generation of watching wrestling it's hard for me to say that he's not the best he's definitely the best i think we're getting but this is jim ross like michael jordan washington wizards like it is not the same jim ross that we saw before his his memory isn't there he's not as sharp he goes back to the same stuff over and over again i don't know how many times he said quicker like a hiccup in the last broadcast but it was about every other match and (laughs) It's they are a lot faster on AEW. They are much faster, so I guess you got to use that or bowling shoe ugly or whatever. And that's not to say that Morrow doesn't do some of the same stuff with his, but he usually tends to not repeat the same Space thing and the same thing. And it's it's not great to see Jim in that position. It's too bad, really. Well, the, so each each show, Dynamite, Dark Elevation, they all to me are flavored differently because of the commentary team. So Dynamite feels to me like it's your legit wrestling show, and yes, Jim Ross. Uh, and Tony Schiavone, I think, bring that legitimacy. And Excalibur does a great job calling the things that they can't. And then on Dark Elevation, it feels a little goofy. I don't know how else to describe it. Just It just feels like a little goofier of a show because Paul White in that role with Tony. And then Dark with Excalibur and Taz, this feels like you're watching a show like with two guys drinking. Like yeah. these guys are just like, it's a bunch of inside baseball jokes that they make. They're just having a good time watching the show and it comes across that way. Yeah. Taz clowns on himself during the show yes. and stuff like that and makes mistake calls and things like that. And there's, 
don't ever wear orange. (laughs) Yeah, there's interesting, which I don't know. I don't watch the shows regularly. I usually take a, I usually pick a couple of matches out and I really focus on watching those because they're interesting to me, but I don't watch it to, I don't watch it bell to bell or anything like that. So I don't listen to as much of that as consistently, but I've certainly listened to them. Yeah, they are. They're two just they're just kicked back and it's a vacation spot for them and it's I think it's fine for what it is. I would be maybe more interested in maybe but that's what they're doing with Paul White. They're giving him that opportunity, but he's certainly somebody that doesn't he's he is not gonna be ever Gordon Soley in the booth or Ken Walton. Lawler, Ken Walton from British Wrestling or Jerry Lawler or Larry Zabisco. That's not what you're gonna get out of Paul White. So I'm not sure how long his tenure is gonna be for that because he's just hard to understand. And it's in, Paul has a wrestling contract here too, so it's just a matter of time before he just gets up and walks out of the booth and does something mm-hmm. from a wrestling perspective. But yeah, we shall see on that. There are really good commentators that we haven't talked about yet within the NXT brands of WWE. UK has Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness, and they are fantastic at telling you everything that's happening, all the bad, like we said, the backstory and things like that, and and really calling the action in the ring. And on the NXT side. I like Wade Barrett a lot. Yeah, I like Wade Barrett a lot. I think Beth Phoenix, when she doesn't... The, my my challenge with Beth Phoenix in general is it feels like each match, she has lines written down that she feels like she needs to get in. When she's not in that mode where she's trying to insert those chalk lines that she has written down, I think she's better calling it on the fly and she should do more of that. And I don't know if it's her decision to do that or if it's them trying to make her better than what she is, I think when she's on the fly calling, she does a much better job and she sounds more realistic. Wade Barrett, phenomenal. Nigel McGuinness is probably right behind Kevin Kelly for me. I think he's probably second best commentator right now. I enjoy listening to him call. He's, it sounds silly, but a large part of me tuning in to watch UK. Like I enjoy what they're going to have to say on that show and I enjoy how they call it. And I think that style works really well for them. The booth in general for NXT is good. Both brands, very solid. And then I think finally, there's two other brands that we could talk about, Ring of Honor and Impact. I think they both have pretty strong booths. Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman, I think they come off very well. And when that product starts taking off again and they're getting live fans in July, I think it'll be really interesting to see how they match up. Right now, they're calling empty arena matches and very empty arena matches. You can and you day. can feel it in their enthusiasm too. They're great voices for ROH, and they've had a couple of different teams go in for that show a couple of times. They feel the most like the ROH voice to me, the way that Tony Schiavone is always going to sound like WCW's voice to me. Right. They are ROH to me, and I like how they call it, and I'm sure they're thrilled about getting some fans in there and calling it the same way. And then over on Impact, we went through a long period of time with Don Callis and Josh Matthews. And Josh has been all over the place and stuff like that. Not somebody that I find overly entertaining or overly engaging. Don Callis is hit or miss for me. I enjoy him in this role better than I enjoyed him on call. Although I will say, when I go back and I listen to some of the New Japan stuff with him and Ross, I felt like that was about the best, the sweet spot. In the the first AEW pay-per-view, he did really well in that presentation as well but i like striker and delo different they're so different than josh matthews and don Callis, or josh matthews and madison rain i didn't want to give them a very much of a shot because i did madison a lot but they've grown on me and striker he's been around forever and never really i felt fell into a good role but he does well here so when i went back and, and al caro brought it up 
the fact that he called because we were talking about that changeover on this show the first night that it really happened. And Al Carl said, oh, you know what? He did some commentary work on Lucha Underground. And his Lucha Underground stuff with Vampiro, if you haven't watched that show, is really good. And he had done some ECW stuff before that when he was doing the Matt Stryker professor role and stuff. So he called some matches in ECW as well. Speaking of ECW, Joey Styles, the one-man booth, just a lost art form was the voice of ECW and was phenomenal in that role. He didn't translate as well when he got back over to the main roster and stuff. I think that one man booth is what he needs as difficult as that is, but another guy who was great on the mic for sure. So I think you, you pinned down Kevin, Gino, Chris and Rocky as your favorite. I think I'd give mine over to NXT UK. I think that presentation is really tight right now. Uh, Although that's maybe just to be different than you because I do like that new Japan team. So yeah. All right, there's a whole bunch more news. A whole bunch of news. We've got WWE's live touring. We've got all the stuff in New Japan that's happening and Impact and everything. So stick with us for a minute. But first, I want to tell you how you can support the Daily Wrestling News Show. So stick with us. We have a ton of news coming up in about a minute and a half. If you love the Daily Wrestling News Show, then I want to tell you how you can support us. First, check out BodySlamClothes.com. You can get a variety of shirts for just $20. And all of them come in the super soft style, and the price you see includes all sizes and shipping. Get 10% off two or more shirts with the promo code SHIRTS10. Go to bodyslamclothes.com right now to check it out. And join Joey Jarzanka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Friday nights for the primetime rundown. They take you through the world of sports. The show kicks off at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And each Tuesday, Al Carl hosts the Essential Wrestling Podcast alongside John Smith, myself, John DeCani, and Gary Maheffy. It's another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Here are our analysis on who we think is going to win the week's matches. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a pick'em league to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe and the body slam brigade newsletter currently going out to over 4200 people each friday it consolidates all the top stories in professional wrestling into a quick to read email written by me for you for free sign up now at bodyslambrigade.com and of course this show the daily wrestling news show we're here every day monday through thursday and occasionally on friday you can listen to us on apple Podcasts and spotify or watch us live on facebook and youtube at 10 a.m this is the daily wrestling news show Thank you for your support. And Travis, SummerSlam is on a Saturday this year. Huh. (laughs) Saturday, August 21st. WWE announced an entire lineup. All the cities and everything that they're doing from here to Labor Day. And Saturday, August 21st is SummerSlam. The location, TBD, will be announced during the Belmont Stakes pre-show this weekend. So, What's the date um, again? August 21st. August 21st. Okay. So I don't believe they're going to Vegas because Saturday, August 21st, there's another thing going on in the world of sports. That's the Manny Pacquiao fight yes, and it it in Vegas. And I thought Vegas was there where they wanted to go for this show. So it'll be interesting to see what they, I'm surprised they're going to go on top of the Pacquiao fight too. That is, I think maybe they're just running the Saturday deal because it is very interesting. They've never done Saturday before. Trust me. 
I'd love it. A Saturday pay-per-view instead of a Sunday pay-per-view. As we have been to several AEW events on Saturdays, Saturday is just the much more family-friendly day to have a pay-per-view. And it's better for people that work, too. Because the Sunday pay-per-view, you get out of there at whatever time. You can't get home unless you're just local traveling in. You can't get home before work on Monday. Saturday is flawless. You get home, you can still clean the house and do the yard work if you need to, and then get to work on Monday. So I would much prefer Saturday pay-per-views in general. And you avoid a bunch of stuff in the sports world too that ends up falling on Sundays a lot of times too. Saturday is just not an active night for me to watch TV usually. Like I'm usually out or I'm figuring something out or I might go to the movies or something like that. So it's wide open unless... There's boxing or MMA on because boxing and MMA tend to be on Saturdays for exactly the reasons we're talking about. So the interesting thing with this news, we've got great, to me, that's great. uh, SummerSlam being on Saturday, very pumped for that. But this other news, if you dissect it, all the cities they announced, they've announced like, first of all, like seven or eight house shows. And I wasn't sure that they were ever going to do house shows again. So it surprised me that they do have so many and they're calling them super shows. So what that means traditionally is that both raw and smackdown talent will be there so up until this point they've been keeping those rosters completely separate so that if something happens they don't both go down so if i had to guess i think that the the business side of that is let's suck up all the enthusiasm of everybody wanting to get out of their house now to fill the place because we had talked about it too pre-pandemic their house show numbers were i'm not sure if they were making a profit on them Oh, they weren't. They were losing money on that part of the business. 1,500 people in 6,000-person arenas. or what? Yeah, they were. there was the loss leader type of attitude towards those things. Of course, they were selling merchandise at those, so it helped that revenue stream. And it was also giving talent a chance to work together, which would improve the television product and the pay-per-view product. So there's benefits, and they have to weigh the cost-benefit all the time. As you mentioned, right now is the time to take advantage of the enthusiasm of people getting out of the house. For sure. You know, if you're going to do a world tour right now, yep, get it on the calendar, start in the south, and then bring yourself north. I mean, you're in the north for the winter time, which is probably the opposite of the way that you would prefer to do it. But in general, I don't know. It, it, I'd be curious to ask the locker room how they feel about it. I think the first couple of weeks, they're probably excited about going back and and getting the enthusiasm and seeing the live crowd and the juice and stuff like that. But there's enough of them been around enough that know that touring schedule is a grind and injuries are a real thing. And it's time away from the house and time away from your significant others if you have them and stuff like that. And it's a lot of work that you got to put into it to get back out on the road. I agree that the wrestling product does get a little bit better. I think that would would certainly help with the kind of the undercard section of the women's division right now. I think that some house shows could really help with the chemistry in the ring. And even some of the top end stuff, I'll still say that could just do not look like comfortable dance partners to me right now. So even though they're both very good. Yeah, that's the case. Not a ton of surprises in the city list, but there's a couple that are surprising. First of all, Florida takes the win, right? They get six events out of this with, they hit basically every market in Florida, Jacksonville to Fort Myers to Gainesville down to Miami. They got them all Tampa. So Jackson, so Florida gets a ton of shows. We're adding another show in Texas. That's San Antonio in August. Then aside from that, you got Kentucky and Philadelphia and the Carolinas and Arizona and Denver and Detroit and Chicago and San Diego. Uh, of all places didn't expect california to be ready and available to receive the wwe product but california is is apparently going to get a 
Monday Night Raw in late August, August 23rd at the Pachanga Arena in San Diego. Now, nothing announced for the New York, New Jersey market, which leads me to the SummerSlam question. Is it going to be Madison Square Garden for SummerSlam this year? They've avoided the market entirely. We know things are opening up a little bit in the New York, New Jersey oh, it's live. area. Like MSG, the Knicks, the Knicks um, games are full capacity right now as long yeah. as you have a Vax card and stuff. Like the last Wednesday or Tuesday, Cuomo announced that New York entertainment venues are 100% capacity as long as you have your card. SummerSlam, Madison Square Garden. Maybe. Um, maybe. I'll be there if that's okay. There's no question about that. Well, it's just interesting as I, I analyze all these cities and states and stuff and san diego is curious to me too san francisco and it's been widely talked about in the news san francisco actually surprisingly is the big city in california that's just been crushing vaccine numbers i think they're up to something astronomical i want to say 82 percent of the population there for whatever reason like maybe that's the real deal there's a lot of vaccines out there and stuff like that so like i looked i looked at today and i'm like okay if they're going to do august you got two more months of that stuff like i think their numbers out there as a population on the coastal part of california is really good san diego's a nice town like i don't know depending on what the show is there it's a house show by the way oh so not even a raw or smackdown all right, so I won't be making that trip. No, no, no need to, no need to put. Punch but it. I have, I have friends out there that'll definitely be at the show, so I'll get a report back. Absolutely. So, just really interesting. I'm probably going to get the calendar at minutes2belltime.com updated here in the next couple of days because all these events are coming and they'll start announcing cards for them and stuff like that. So I like to keep track of it. Plus, we have AEW and Ring of Honor and everybody coming back. So. Want to get yeah. that stuff in a place where people can consume it. When AEW announcing their big shows, their Chicago shows, I already saw yes. stuff for the week before a GCW. In yep. fact, there was even a post that came out on Instagram from Starcast where Starcast said, "Okay, we're not, we can't run events the way that we'd like to, but here's a hotel block in the Schaumburg area if you'd like to participate inside of our hotel block," which was really cool of them. Whether or not we actually see something as we get closer to the day, I don't know. Conrad's pretty busy thing. these days. AEW did not announce the venue, so I don't know if it's going to be at the Sears Center like they've done all out in the past, or if it'll be downtown where they did Revolution. So don't book your hotels quite yet because that's yeah. a huge difference. Absolutely. As far as travel time down and back and stuff, yeah. It's a now, the GCW location, that is, I want to say, Hoffman Estates or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that, that's well known at this point. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be a big wrestling weekend in Chicago. Yep. It sure and is. It's maybe nice. it'll be Moxley versus Cage in that they've been building to that. So, yeah, that would be insane. So watch, start watching for that because that G, that'll be the biggest GCW title match they've had in a long time. Yeah, and if they bring a blood sport into there, yeah, we have to go. All right, so there's some other major headlines coming out of New Japan. So we have a follow up from our episode 104 last week, Travis, where we were talking about the vacant. IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Apparently, we do know it's going to be come down to Kazuchika Okada versus Shingo Takagi at Dominion, which was just changed from June 6th to June 7th because of restrictions on weekends in the city. So they're going to do it on a Monday now. So Okada versus Shingo. You picked Shingo. It could be Shingo. I think it'll all come down. It'll be interesting. If Shingo wins, I think they just plugged Shingo into whatever programs they had planned for Osprey from here until Osprey's end of title. If Okada wins, he was probably going to win at Grand Slam. It, it's interesting. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And yeah, it was good. Any of the listeners that tuned in last week, it was called right here, folks. Uh, yeah, yeah, Travis Big Shingo. No. You're a week I, away from knowing if you're correct. <laughs> I, I, I got a week to go. And Abushi's the odd man out. He's the, he's the guy on the outside looking in right now. He does have a match announced for Dominion. He's fighting Jeff Cobb. Yep, so. that, which, I mean, that it's should kind of be a hell of a match. I've never seen Cobb versus Abushi, so it's very it different weird, styles. As the former champion, he wasn't given an opportunity to compete there. So. Yeah, and Dominion's the, the home of that. There's a lot of big matches. And actually, in the Facebook group, I posted Chris Carlton did a great History of Dominion video that's 15 or 20 minutes. So if you're on your lunch break or if you're doing the dishes or whatever and you throw it on in the background, he takes you through the history of Dominion and the big matches that were there and the stuff that they've done before in the past, which is really nice to put together. And then lo and behold, the free match this week that New Japan does every week is Okada versus Osprey. And it's a phenomenal match if you haven't watched it. Is it from Wrestle Kingdom or from G1? Wrestle Kingdom. Okay. Yeah, that was earlier this year. So the other match they announced for Dominion so far is Show versus Yo for the junior title. And that is a match that was supposed to happen at Wrestling Dotanko Night 2, but it was changed because a whole bunch of COVID protocol. Some people tested positive, so they got pulled from the show. So. Yeah, and, and, and as odd as, like, Japan has had live fans in the stands for a long time, much quicker than we did. And oddly enough, their vaccine rate is like 2%. So, like, they're going to be dealing with some hiccups here and there, and we've got the Olympics coming as well. Show and yo, this is brother against brother, which isn't a story we see all that often. Wait a minute. Do I have that right? Is it Des- Desperado? It's Desperado versus yo. ELD versus yo is what I yeah. thought the, the match is. Yeah. Yeah. So, El- so El- that's Desperado not brother and brother. ELD no. is uh, is a great wrestler, and, and it just he's been a treat. He would he was not who I wanted to win. I wanted El Fantasmo. I'm a little bit uh, annoyed. That's not the case, but we'll see. We'll be a good match. We've seen this match before, and they can dance. It'll be nice and quick, but should be a good match no matter what. I mean, yeah. this morning was a surprise for me. Yeah, this morning Saber and Taichi won the tag team titles off of God. So Bullet Club vacating their gold. Yeah, Jay White. the only one with the title is Jay White, which obviously he should have all the gold in New Japan if it were my druthers. So G.O.D. and the Dangerous Techers are just playing the ping pong match of the titles. In fairness, we've talked about it before. It's the only really two tag teams in New Japan. <laughs> until you can make an argument for Cobb and Okan. They always throw them together, whatever. And that's what they do because they have huge factions. They just put a couple guys together and send them after the titles. But yeah, these guys have been ping-ponging the titles for six months. And at least they have they both have tag team names. We've got Grills of Destiny versus Dangerous Techers. Right. Okay, cool. We can tomorrow morning we have a six-man tag title match between your reigning champions, Yoshihashi, Ishii, Goto versus Naito, Bushi, and Sonata. So no chance for Geo era for Bullet Club to, to get any titles there, but that'll no, be the no. name of a road two show going into Dominion. And I would say that normally they don't change the titles here, but I'd sound silly given that they just this morning changed titles here. So uh, do I think this is a six-man switch? Probably not. Yeah, I, I think Bushi's probably there to take the pin. Yep. Agreed. On Monday Night Raw last night, we did learn that Drew McIntyre is going to face Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship at Hell in a Cell. Not announced that it was a Cell match. Hell in a Cell is June 20th. There's not much announced for that, just Charlotte and Rhea otherwise. And this is the third pay-per-view in a row for these guys. So hopefully they do something different. Well, they're going to be in a cell. 
Well, probably not announced yet. AEW signed Bear Country and Mark Sterling. Mark Sterling is Jade Cargill's uh, manager, and he was MJF's lawyer who got MJF his stipulations in this championship match with Moxley, which didn't pan out anyway. So, yeah, Mark Sterling. A better representative for Jade. Mark Sterling's kind of a snooze fest, but Bear Country is very good. I'm happy for them and excited for them. Not that AEW was short on tag teams, but here we are. Yeah, a couple other couple other big guys, and we can always do the Kong versus Godzilla too with Jurassic Express again. So yeah, they're big giant bruisers that can move. They're, to me, I, I look at them as the best of both worlds, in between the Viking Raiders and heavy machinery. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so a couple of other things tonight on NXT. It is a number one contenders match: Pete Dunne versus Johnny Gargano versus Kyle O'Reilly. The winner's going to get carrying cross, presumably at in your house. So. Any early thought on who that's going to be? Give me Pete Dunn, please. Yeah. Give me Pete Dunn, please. I'm sure we'll be raking that down on tonight's Essential Wrestling Podcast, making all our picks for that. I like Pete Dunn in that, too. MSK versus Legato Del Fantasma for the tag titles is also on tonight. That should be a, a fine match. Both teams can move. That's good. AW Dark has a short lineup, just five matches or something like that, so shouldn't be too big of a deal. I really think it is only five. Last night, Dark Elevation was quick. It was over in an hour and a half. Dark Dark usually has 27 matches or something. So Maybe they shortened it up because it's pay-per-view weekend or something like well, that. Well, they taped them all at FanFest. Oh, so, okay. There you go. So it should be an easier go tonight on Dark. And then this week, later this week on Thursday, Impact has Josh Alexander versus TJP in a Iron Man match. It'll start on BTI, which is their like pre-show uh, before the Impact starts at seven o'clock on access TV, all indications from the rumor mill and everything. This was taped a long time ago. Everybody that was there at that taping is raving about this match. It's supposed to be fantastic. So make sure you watch BTI this week. Yeah, I'm not. I, I think TJP and Josh Alexander are both fine wrestlers. I don't get overly worked up when I hear that they're going to be in a match, though. We'll see. Maybe you'll change your mind after you watch this match that everybody's raving about. The entire locker room of Impact. The Iron Man match doesn't make me more thrilled to watch two guys that I think are pretty okay. All right, Travis, anything else to before we get out of here this morning? Nope. Just keep in mind, obviously, AEW again is on Friday this week. Just in case anybody didn't know that, we got NBA basketball playoffs. Those will be wrapping up in a couple of weeks, so we'll go back to our normal time slot there. New Japan Strong was another good one this week. If you didn't have a chance to catch it, feel free to to take a look. They're sorting stories out a little bit more over there, so that was a really good show. And uh, yeah, I look forward to listening to tonight's EWP. I did make up a little bit of ground in the pro wrestling pick'em, so hopefully that graphic gets shot up there to see where I escalated myself. I think I might be ahead of one of the hosts of this show by a point. One point? And I was way, way behind. I was bad after. The thing is, though, everybody on the EWP in this show is going to have a chance to outpick me on impact, so I got to make up a lot of ground on AEW and the problem is I don't get new Japan. I think that's unfair. I think it's bias. I think it's fading, <laughs> fading my talents in that area. And I think it's giving all the other guys the opportunity that follow impact better than me. And there's no MLW. So 
all these other real shows. If it's wrestled, if it's recognized on PWI as a belt, it should be recognized in the PWP as a, as a pay-per-view show. Al Carl getting called out here. He's PWP. sticking it to me. I couldn't even <laughs> pick New Japan wrestlers in the Battle Royal match because they're not loaded as talent. Come on, Al. What are we doing here? <laughs> All right, that's been our show for this morning. I hope you enjoyed it, and we will catch you tomorrow. Tomorrow.